Hello, everyone, and welcome to the RC Plane Lab podcast. I'm Tom. I'm Dave. And I'm Ron. And today we got a guest, uh, Bjorn Ball from RMJ Machine Works is on the line with us. Hello, Bjorn. Good afternoon, everybody. Thanks for having me. <laughs> nope. Yeah, no worries. No problem. This is exciting. It so, is. Yeah. Um, I, w- I don't know how quickly do we want to get into things. Like, I'm curious to know the history of RMG Machine Works. Well, yeah, and- we'll get to that. Okay. But let's let's uh, let's have Bjorn tell us a little bit about himself first. How about that? Good idea. <laughs> I, st- I stand corrected again. All okay. right, Bjorn, the, f- the floor is yours. Oh, well, I don't have my wife here to glare at me because I am the world's worst when it comes to talking about myself. <laughs> Aren't we all? But, uh, <laughs> well, um, so I, I guess first and foremost, I'm a father of three, very rambunctious. Um, I have a 14-year-old daughter and a, uh, and twin uh, 8-year-old boys that are they, – they live up to the, the hype of what oh, boys boy. represent. Oh, yeah. And <laughs> um, uh, have a, a day job that's uh, – extremely demanding and uh, when the kids go to bed at least for the last uh, since 2017 when we opened the doors back up for that when we took over for frank bowman with bowman rings um we we uh, conduct our ring business which is at home from when the kids go to bed until the work is done and then i get some sleep and then rinse and repeat man wow busy guy very busy yeah <laughs> I, I assume the kids are probably involved in all the activities of school too right Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. And I'll, I'll, I'll send you guys some, I, I don't know if um, maybe afterwards I can send you some pictures where, yeah. you know, just the, the kids involvement with the, uh, just the business at home and I guess in the hobby as well. Oh, oh that's yeah. awesome. So you got them involved in the business? Oh yeah. The boys can, so I have a, so I guess if we're, we'll just kind of start talking about okay. the business. I have uh, two CNC machines, um, a CNC lathe and a mill and uh, two manual machines, a uh, uh, Logan lathe, which is 1950s era. It's the same machine that Frank used to make, you know, I mean, hundreds, if not thousands of rings. That's, yeah. that's what I learned, learned on. I learned the manual processes before I, I ventured into the CNC world, as well as a manual mill. And um, you guys will probably remember, um, or uh, everybody listening, when you get the, when you get our rings, they, they ship in a, uh, a PVC ring. You know, just to prevent bending or mishandling from our wonderful um, <laughs> postage carriers, the oh, yeah. USPS primarily. But uh, the, our boys can practically run the manual lathe to make those PVC rings on their own. At eight years so, old. At eight <laughs> nice. years old. That yeah. is so awesome. <laughs> I think, I'm yeah, sorry, I'm, I think that's awesome. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I, I really appreciated it. You know, they're quick studies. They're a pain in the butt sometimes because be, because they are quick studies, they think dad doesn't know anything. Of course. So. <laughs> Typical eight-year-olds. Oh, yeah, of course. Or Absol- nine-year-olds absolutely. or 10-year-olds or 11 Or, yeah, 15-year-olds. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Yeah, they, we're, uh, yeah. Parents um, are stupid <laughs> until the children are out on their own and then they suddenly come to realize how smart we are when they realize how expensive everything is. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and on a daily basis, we try to – you know, repeat those lessons with, with our daughter because she's smart as a whip too. And, you know, we, her nickname is mini me because she's a female version of me. And, Oh, sometimes I can pull my hair out <laughs> just trying to communicate with her because it is like talking to myself and I can see what my wife, what my wife deals with. So, <laughs> nice. so, you know, this, I might be a bit self-deprecating here, but you know, honesty is the best policy. Yeah. yeah. We're the same way. <laughs> No, I think that's fantastic that the uh, that the that the boys know how to run that that sort of machinery because that's a that's a very valuable skill. 
Mm-hmm. You know, if they decide that, you know, college isn't for them or whatever, they've already got a skill, you know, to get them ahead in the, in the job Absolutely. market. I think that's wonderful. And the Absolutely. manual version of that. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So that teaches, yeah, I mean, you know, <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say it teaches them, I mean, not, not just the, the dexterity, but math. I mean, there's math involved and, you know, you have to mm-hmm. measure things in, you know, in, uh, well, depending on whether you're using what system you're using, but like thousandths of an inch or, or millimeters. I mean, you know, it's a, it's just a, I think it's a very, very good thing to, to know how to do. Yeah. So. Well, you know, just, cont- I, I try to incorporate where, cause my boys are homeschooled and uh, I try to incorporate what my wife covers with, you know, related to, you know, when they're covering math subjects yeah. and, and trying to get them just to transfer those lessons into something practical, you know, and, and it actually has an application. Yeah. And I'm not saying that, you know, operating a, a manual lathe or a manual mill, you know, is, is, is equivalent to, uh, you know, first or second grade math because it's far from it, but you know, it, it takes a fair bit of patience to try to explain those concepts to, to an eight year old. So, you know, it, it, I've, I've done, I've, I think I've done a good job trying to incorporate those lessons and, you know, this is what you learn, you know, when, with your mom, you know, with, when you're in school air quotes, and then this is how you would apply it here on this particular machine, making this particular thing. Yeah. You know, whatever that thing may be. Right. Yep. Awesome. Speaking of that, I mean, I'm, there's like this whole list of things I want to talk about <laughs> when it comes to the, you know, the ring business. But uh, because you have manual machines and, and a CNC, are you are you thinking about doing other stuff besides rings? So we, you know, uh, right now, as <laughs> like I mentioned before, <laughs> with, uh, you know, how how much free time I have. Sure. Um, we, Primarily, the the ring business has definitely take it takes up about ninety eight percent of my my free time. Oh, there wow. there have been some uh, one off projects that I've been able to do for for our, a few customers okay. here and there, and, and it's been very time sensitive. You know, I'm, and I'm very very um, particular on what type of projects for whom, and definitely um, taking uh, into account how long those particular projects would make because, you know, ultimately, you know, the, the ring business definitely, it pays the bills and I'm not, I, I really can't uh, set that aside for one-off projects because sure. typically that's what we're approached with. It's just one-off projects and, you know, it, you have to price it accordingly. And oftentimes I'm, I, you know, if I run the numbers myself and I find myself, I wouldn't pay that much for it, you know, <laughs> right. but you know, it's, it's just one of those things. It's just, you know, um, supply and demand and just basic economics. And we, even though we, we do our best to provide an excellent service for our hobby, I also have to be very practical one with my time. And then also, you know, taking, taking our equipment away from what, what actually pays the bills. Yeah. I'm I'm writing notes down. More stuff I want to talk to you. <laughs> yeah, and and but, uh, go on. No, go on. No, we've made some. Uh, you know, uh, world uh, guy in um, uh, Clay Rex. He he had a, a world models third scale cub that he um, he was putting some uh, larger. Um, what do you call it? PR Bush wheels is who I what I have on mine, but uh, I, I forget who which manufacturer. Yes, but just a big big tires on a, on the cub. Um, Ron, and, uh, he, he loves big wheels on, on airplanes. Oh, bigger the better. Man, Absolutely. I'll, I'll, I'll send you guys a picture. Mine is just on, it's just not even right. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I, I love um, the bush see, look. Yeah. It's well, it's a third scale cub with a 120 CC engine and gigantic, almost 12 inch tires. So when it oh, flies yeah. around, 
you, if you see the wings and then you can't help but just stare at the tires <laughs> as, as, when you do a flyby. It's just, it's just not even. That's it's awesome. definitely over overdone on both the horsepower and the uh, tire size of things. Sure. So it, it's a great airplane. Yeah, and you had to machine some bushings for the wheels. Is that what I what I took? Yes. Yeah, so okay. I had to I had to machine some um, uh, adapters to tie into his existing landing gear, but also so that he can uh, utilize the uh, those larger yeah. um, wheels on that airplane. Nice. So to, to educate some of the folks who may not know, uh, we, we keep, we keep mentioning rings and what we're talking about is piston rings. So Dave and I, and to some degree, Ron, no, uh, Dave and you pretty much. That's okay. <laughs> we're, we're engine guys. We like engines. We like things that make noise and stink. Oh, never mind. Um, I'm sorry. That's not where I thought you were going with that. So yes, that includes <laughs> me. Go on. Um, so a, a piston ring is the, the, little part that uh, goes around the top of the piston that rides up and down in the cylinder that seals off the combustion chamber. And Bjorn uh, makes a replacement uh, aftermarket rings to replace the factory ones that sometimes don't seal so well. And get worn. And get worn over time, yeah. So uh, in case anybody didn't know, that's what we were talking about, and that's what uh, that's what Bjorn does uh, for, well, as part of, or as RMJ Machine Works. Are you going to incorporate yeah. the, the sons' names into the into the business since they do you know, some of it? Yeah, at some point I think we will. Um, yeah. You know, it, we haven't. Uh, like I said, I, I'm one of those highly analytical, not very creative individuals. <laughs> so you know, it's I typically live in a black and white world. Sure. Um, so my wife is uh, the complete opposite. So that type of creativity, I'm going to go ahead and leave that up to her. Yeah. Um, but uh, just to provide some context, um, what what um, it's it's a Frank Bowman and the the name of the, the com- of his company was Bowman Rings when when he was uh, when he was doing it he closed his doors in 2014 just from uh, he's getting older and just didn't didn't want to do it any longer because it's one of those situations where he turned a hobby into a job and you know over time it just it yep. just was getting overwhelming yeah and. Um, so the, the more common name is uh, R or I'm sorry um, Bowman rings. So that's that's the more I guess uh, more common household name. But uh, just so, to provide some context, you know Frank uh, Frank's email address um, was uh, Ringmaster46 mm-hmm. at um, I want to say it AOL. I, I can't remember. Not AOL. It was MSN.com. Sure. And uh, so Ringmaster, you know that that kind of goes without saying because the man taught me he's one of those machining jedis that has forgotten more than i'll probably ever know i love that I mean, he's, he's, Jedi. Yeah, yeah he's 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 machined and just the, the things that we've talked about over you know over our, our just every time i talk to him it's just a, it's a new story and just just a fascinating individual and um so you know just to just to continue on with frank's legacy which is one of the reasons why we decided to take over for frank is you know just to continue on his legacy well yeah um, i mean it, not to interrupt but i mean when when frank decided to stop stop doing it that left a really huge kind of void really it did, um, it did. so all of us old guys like me and and dave with these you know older nitro engines and and gas engines even uh that no longer are being supported by the their manufacturer were just done you know on the ringed engines I'm, I'm talking about. So right, when right. he quit doing that, it was like kind of a sad day. It was like, well, now I, I got to be really, really careful with these engines now. You know, maybe I'm not going to run this engine anymore. But then you came in and 
It was awesome. <laughs> well, there, there was a, there was a, let's see, we took over in 2017. So there was a three year void. And Frank, he said, you know, I've never sold more rings with such enthusiasm from our customers, you know, until he, he made a, a public notification that, you know, he was closing up his doors. Cause I think everybody understood what that meant. Yeah. Cause I think, you know, at that time we, we may, I think we were going through quite a few businesses. I think that still continues to this day to a certain degree. Um, but you know, mm-hmm. our, business businesses and our hobby that you know you would consider you thought they were longtime anchors and right. you know flagships for 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 the hobby that just you know out of either out of the blue or financial hardship right. or whatever the case may be just yep. closing up doors yeah hard to imagine so, you know this you know been in business for years and now he's not in business now what are we going to do yeah i, I know right. exactly what you're talking about right so, you know, with Frank's email handle being ringmaster, I, I wanted to one continue the legacy of just the work that he's put in. I mean, just countless hours that he's put in to get it to where it was when we took over. And uh, so if, if anyone is wondering, like, where is this RMJ? What, what What's the connection here? Well, Frank's email address was ringmaster. RMJ stands for ringmaster junior. In case, in case we didn't know, so you know, and I, I, I wear that, I wear that uh, with pride because um, the amount of time that you know I, I apprenticed under Frank, all you know, we, we, we had some discussions on you know generic uh, machine work and mach- machining concepts, but all I focused on because I knew that's the business and time also free available time, I focused on okay, how do we make these these perfect, you know layman's just a layman's explanation of it just these perfect circles yeah how do what do i need to do you know and and that's what we focus on and as as free time permitted then we would we would venture into other topics and other areas of machining but the primary focus was making piston rings so the the machining aspect of it the uh, hand finishing aspect of it and then the uh the, the precise heat treating procedures and yeah and, and, and I can, I can yeah. go on and on because there, right. there are so many steps to the, oh, way, yeah. the way we make them. So can I ask you, did you have any machining experience before you bought the company or before you I had, continued on? I had zero. So zero you learned, you, you learned everything from Frank hands-on. Yes. Yeah, yes. That's awesome. Yeah. I was always very strong in math and, you know, just all the STEM, STEM, um, subjects, but sure. Nothing. I mean, it's good to have that, you know, in your back pocket, but when you're actually applying that in, uh, in a machining environment, yes, you know, it, it's a whole new world. Yep. Absolutely. To me, it's, it's, so how long, how long was that transition? Like how long did it take Frank to bestow upon you all of his knowledge? Well, this is, this is the, uh, the honest truth. So we started, we, my wife and I, we, so we, we live in Midland, Texas now. Every, okay. I'm sorry. Sometimes I just kind of babble <laughs> on, but you know, there, everything okay. really has a, it's a, it's a neat story. Yeah. You know, my, so Frank closed his doors in 2014. That's, that's, um, in a, that summer he, we were flying and, um, he kind of started putting, laying the seed, you know, planting the seeds and say, Hey, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about closing the doors. You should probably take over. <laughs> but again, as I mentioned, our boys are, my wife was pregnant with, we had twins on the way at that time. Yep. And I knew I, I you know, I didn't want to be just ignorant to the fact that the, the amount of time and, and energy and, and attention that it takes for when you when you not only when you have one child, but when they show up two at a time, that's a whole different <laughs> ballgame. So, yes, for sure. <laughs> so 
you know, when, when that happened, um, you know, I told Frank, you know, when I have some time and you still have it and you haven't, you know, someone hasn't come along and, 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 and bought their business from you, we'll sit down and chat. So, <clears throat> so before we go too far were, on, on this, sorry, how, how did you meet him? Like, is this a, a friend of yours that you've had for a while or what was the connection? Oh, that's another story. Let me tell you that story. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll come I back to the, how we started the business. But uh, okay. so I, we were living in Farmington, New Mexico. So that's, that's where Frank lived. Now I, I got into the hobby or I got back into the hobby. Um, my, my wife was teaching kindergarten and one of her students, um, her dad um, was flying model airplanes and she, she had mentioned it to my, or so Chris is, is the dad. He, he's my, he's my friend from there, from okay. Farmington. He's the one that got me back into it. Now that story, that, that whole interaction went with along the lines of, yeah, you know, I had a tower trainer 40 with, you know, a radio and a long antenna and a crystal just from what I could remember. Cause it'd been a while since I'd been, I, I'd been out of the hobby and he started mentioning terms like, Oh no, it's not like that anymore. You just bind and fly. And I, I looked like, I looked at him like he was, you know, speaking a, a, <laughs> a different a language, language yeah. because yeah, cause I'd been so far out of touch. I hadn't, you know, I'd been, I got out of the hobby and, oh, let's see, this was around 2000, 2001. And I oh, didn't yeah. get back in it till about 2008. Oh yeah. You know, Huge right, right changes in that. In that. Time oh man, yeah, that was a steep learning curve because I could not <laughs> believe the advancements in radios, just the basic radios right. know, compared to what I used to have. Right. But uh, so Chris got me back into that, and um, when I got back into the hobby, I bought. You know, it's just I guess everybody kind of goes through these phases where you 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 have a good deal, and you know, I got back into it, and the last thing I knew was elect was a glow. So I got back into a glow. Um, was having it have it was on a stick of I know that's your favorite airplane there. Of course. Um <laughs> should be everybody's <laughs> so favorite, it a, right? It was yeah, absolutely. It was a 40 size stick with a Sato 56. And oh, I yeah. I bought it from a hobby shop. I have no idea how long it'd been hanging there, but needless to say, I was having problems to the point where I was I was getting ready for this airplane to get stepped on. Uh-oh. I was just, you know, if this is my introduction back into the hobby, this is not I don't want to yeah, I don't I'm not having a good time. Yeah, Nitro well, does a lot that too. Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> and so a lot of the guys at the airfield, they said, you know, you should probably go f- see Frank. And I'm thinking to myself, who is this Frank character? You know, what, what, I'm an A&P. That, at the time, I was an A&P, which okay. for those that don't know what that means, that's an airframe and power plant. So I was an airplane mechanic. Yeah, so, me too. So, you know, I, I made that mistake of thinking, oh, I know all things mechanical. <laughs> and I, it, it's got to be broken if I can't figure if it I can't, out. Yeah, you know? if I can't fix this, then it can't be fixed. Nope, I get right. that. Yep. And, and um, so I, I get Frank's phone number. I find, he lived about three blocks away from our house. <laughs> All right. Convenient. So that, to put some to put some context on this, he lived about three blocks away from our house. I had no idea that who Frank Bowman was. I mm-hmm. had no idea he was the piston ring man. I had no idea, you know, just the, uh, his resume on, on, the, on the engines and his expert expertise at yeah. all. So I brought my engine over to him. <laughs> my impression was that background noise. Um, my impression of him was that he was just a local you know, guy at our airfield that, that, that could fix engines. Uh-huh. I had nothing that, that was the extent of what I knew. And, um, well, needless to say, a week goes by and I get I get a bit anxious and definitely uh, 
um, impatient. So I call him and uh, he was pretty short with me at the time. And he said, listen, Bjorn, I don't know. I, maybe I, I didn't convey to you that I'm, I'm busy and I work this engine in when I, when I have some free time, mm-hmm. but I'll let you know when it's ready. Okay. I think a day or two goes by and I'm thinking to myself, man, he's rude. Not even <laughs> yeah. thinking that. Not How even busy putting he it on actually myself. is. Yeah. Well, not even that. I was just like, I was definitely not rude. And I think I gave him enough time. Yeah. Again, you know, it was not my fault. It just definitely not looking at this, you know, mm-hmm. introspectively. Mm-hmm. And, um, anyway, he, he was able to fix, fix my engine and it ran like a top and several years go by and I still didn't put two and two together because I, I, I started flying, um, gas, gas at that point. I, that was the only, um, glow engine. I just direct, went directly to gas. Okay. And, um, so needless to say, um, when Frank was starting to get into gas, gas, um, piss or pissing rings, the DLE 30 that I had on a, um, it was a 30 or 25%, um, Sbok or Sabak or however you call that thing. Yeah, I don't know what you um, call them either. I like them. I just don't know what you call them. <laughs> I love them. I yeah. love them. But, <clears throat> excuse me. But that was the, so his piston, we got measurements off of, uh, um, that, that engine. And that was the prototype ring. The, one of the first gasoline, um, piston rings that Frank made. Oh, that's awesome. Everything, everything before that was, um, were glow engines. So, you know, you nice. run the mill, all every, almost exclusively, um, uh, glow engines. And, um, so that, that's pretty much when we started, you know, we became friendly because I knew what, <laughs> what Frank did. I, you know, I educated myself and you know I became enlightened to, right. Oh, Oh, you, okay. I'm so sorry. <laughs> you know, so, right. You know, and that was, uh, oh, that was probably around 20, 2010, 2011, right, right in that, right in there. Okay. You know, maybe it might've been a little earlier. But, um, yeah, that's, that's, that's how I, you know, over, and over time, you know, we became very friendly. Sure. Um, his wife, Valerie, she wanted to, uh, learn how to fly. So I was her flight instructor. Oh, nice. And, um, you know, she was flying, I was flying large, you know, 30 and 35% um, gassers at the time. And again, we were friendly. So we had to report the relationship. And, yeah. uh, so I, she had a e-flight apprentice. So, oh yeah, we spent lots of buddy box time and yeah, it was, it was awesome. So that's how, so that's that, how that was my introduction to Frank. Okay. So that's what, what began the, the relationship and kind of started you down the path, uh, mm-hmm. for absorbing all of that work. <laughs> yes. But, you know, I will tell you before we approached Frank to, um, potentially take, you know, open the doors back up. Um, I had never set foot in his machine shop. It was his, you know, I'd been to his house. Okay. But never, I'd never seen the equipment. I'd never seen oh. the process up until we, we, you know, we sat down and we made a formal agreement. Okay. So all those years that you guys were just, uh, just flying buddies, you never, you never yes. saw the business, never saw what it took to produce a ring. None of right. that. Right. Oh, that's really something. Right. And when you say flying buddies, Frank did not, Frank did not fly anything without a, a tether to it. So he was a big control line guy. Oh. He never flew radio control. Not, I not while I was that. around. So that explains Ringmaster. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. Yes. Yeah. The top. Yeah. yeah. I'll be darned. Yeah, he was. He, he and he's. Um, I think to a certain degree, he still flies um, control line. I'll be darned. Yeah, so, yeah. I would just one would probably assume most people would assume that. Yeah, he's a big 
RC guy, but well, I wondered why you had to teach his wife to fly, and now that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense now. Yes. Yeah, yeah, huh? So this is what I tell you: everything has a story, just to provide oh, yeah. some context. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the fact that it slays me that that you guys were doing stuff together for years before you mm-hmm. actually even saw, you know, what it took to produce a ring. So in my mind, oh, yeah. I'm thinking, like, what what did you use as a as kind of a as a I don't know what to, to bring you back to reality when the time came to make the decision to open the doors because you, know, you had no clue yeah, you, really. you, wanted to, you wanted to open the doors back up but you didn't know what that even meant yeah because you hadn't seen any of that that's funny well I, exactly I didn't know the degree of the amount of work that it took you know hmm. and um, I can't imagine so so when we when we finally had we had a sit down it was you know it's one of, it's really one of those storybook um, situations where we um, we sat at, at our we invited both Frank and Valerie over. Um, to our house again, you know, about three blocks away. So it wasn't really, <laughs> wasn't, wasn't really much of a, a commute. Uh, not at all, not at all. And you know, we we explained our, our situation to them that um, we we finally the boys were a little older and you know it could definitely fit some free time in. And Frank definitely warned me. He said, "Are you sure you want to do this?" You know, that was why one of my last opportunities for an out. Yeah. And, uh, you know, my wife and I, we talked about it, you know, to to a great degree, you know, somewhat understanding, you know, probably with a 75, 70, 60 to 70 percent understanding of what what it would entail. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, we were comfortable enough with that one with the time commitment, but also just, you know, just carrying carrying on with the legacy, you know, Frank's legacy, essentially. Yeah. And, and everything that it represented because of, and also, you know, the, uh, the reputation that he had built over the years. Right. Yeah. So it was, it was, we invited both of them over. We uh, looked over some documents and it was one of those handshake deals. And, um, yeah. And that was that. And that was, as, as they say, the rest is history. Yeah. And your life would never be the same. <laughs> oh man. I'll never get back to sleep that I've lost over the last, <laughs> well, sure. we've been doing it since 2017 and, yeah. Well, there have been lots of sleepless nights, and especially, sure. especially running the, um, run, making everything on the uh, on the manual lathe. That was that's a very very time consuming process. Well, sure, yeah. So I'm pre in a in another career. I was a machinist. Uh, mm-hmm. We had a LeBlond. I think it was a 1958 model uh, manual lathe in our shop that I that took took a long time to learn how to use that thing and. You learn every little quirk of every machine, right? So you know, mm-hmm. you know, if the tailstock is off by three thousandths, you know to you know shim the work or whatever. You know, right. there's, there's always right. some little, so many different and, tricks. Yeah, and <laughs> and to learn all that, and for what it's worth, um, to produce something the quality that you produce in the time that you produce it is to me uh, really telling. I mean, you've obviously put in, you know, put everything that you had into the business to make it the legacy that it is. And it still continues to be. So like I said, for what it's worth coming from me, you know, there you go. <laughs> well, I really appreciate that. Thank you very much. So I'm, I'm curious. Yeah. So to produce, just, just to give everybody kind of a, you know, a clue, how long does it take to produce from start to finish one ring? <clears throat> Ballpark. So, so on a manual, <laughs> feel on the- free to explain the process. Please. Okay, so uh, again, you know, we thought we talked about financial feasibility on you know small batch work. So typically, if it's if it's a one ring uh, request, we 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 would um, 
gladly turn it down just because it, it's not, <laughs> it's, sure. it's really not worth the time, you yeah. know, and especially, you know, in one worth the time, but then also if you, if the customer does want us to, you know, is definitely insistent upon it, then the price goes up You sure. know, it's, it's really, it really has to be worth our time. Yeah. And, um, I view it as, you know, if I don't have any existing orders, um, I substitute working in the, in, in, the, in our garage machine shop with uh, spending time with my family. And, and it really has to be worth the time because that's, that's, you know, hate to sound cheesy or, you know, broken record, but that, as you get older, you know, you, you, you definitely start to realize you cannot get that time back exactly. at all, ever. That's you absolutely know, so true. I, you know, so it's, for me, it's definitely, um, it's, it's a strong motivator and, and, and a dose of reality, but Going back to your question, you know, let's say everybody's favorite engine, the DLE 20. You know, I typically make them in a batch of, say, 15 per per run. Okay. On the CNC, just the machining side of it is approximately, um, do, 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 do. with my latest changes to feeds and speeds, it's probably about just under five minutes. Oh, wow. To do the so whole batch? The, Yes. Okay. So wait, wait, wait. That's just the machining. So okay. that's just the machine work side. And then uh, once the machine work is done, then there's a deburring process. Right. So in order to deburr 15 rings, that's about a 20 minute process. All, and I'm talking, this is all by hand. Okay. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. then, uh, then um, in order to put the uh, anti-rotation pin on there, then I have to set it up on a fixture, mm-hmm. um, run it through the, the mill because uh, we have specific end mills we run just based on which engine and, and, and the anti-rotation pin diameter. Yep. Um, so set up and, and, and just Bob, just a lot of setup time. Um, so that'll be another, say, 10 minutes or so. So this is a manual process. Mm-hmm. And then once that's done, then the, the rings are lapped down to the proper axial thickness. So with the DLE 20, that's a 47 thousandths. So to do 15 rings, that's going to be about maybe uh, 15, 20 minutes, depending on uh, just what I encounter. Once that's done, then you have to separate them. Then you have to set them up on a heat treating jig, and then you have to heat treat them. So in total, to do 15 rings, it's probably over just over two hours. And that's incorporating a manual process. Right. If now with the CNC mill, I fi- I've finally been able to get my fixture plate set up for for the deburring and notching process to be automated. Oh. So ma- total machining time is about so about just under five minutes for the lathe, about twenty minutes on the mill. So that's twenty five minutes, and then lapping is going to be another twenty minutes. So we went from an over two hour process to just 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 shy of an hour. That's fantastic, and that's just a batch of fifteen rings. Now, does that does that include all the setup time and all that too? Because, I mean, let's be yes. honest to change to change setups from say doing a DLE twenty to a DLE thirty five, that's going to be some time, right? Yes. Yeah. Which which uh, the the amount of time that I spent just designing fixture plates just for all of those different mm-hmm. setups, mm-hmm. Uh, I can't tell you how much time I've spent just just on those just designing those fixtures, machining those fixtures, yeah. and then also. <laughs> You know, you, you you can you can be as as uh, 
conscious of every moving part in a machine as you possibly can. But if you don't factor in the height of a Allen head bolt that holds a retention, a retaining plate on top of the rings, Mm -hmm. and then, you know, you go through and then the machine, oh man, well, you don't machine it off. You break the end. Break a bed. (laughs) Sounds like an experience situation here. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure he's speaking from experience. I am not speaking from experience at all. No, (laughs) I am. (laughs) So... Yeah, so so that's that's been the experience there. So that's just so now, for 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 rings that we make um, on a repetitive basis, um, yeah, I picked the DLE twenty because that's probably one of our well the DLE line, the RCGF line, the uh, GP um, engine. So all the popular brands now, we, we we definitely we have production runs on them just because they're they're such a common ring for us to that we get orders for. Yeah. Yeah. So you mentioned, you know, doing, doing batches of them. Obviously you keep some in what I would call a stock like status, right? So how many just ballpark, you don't have to, but like how many different rings do you keep in stock ready to ship? So I'm looking at our bins right now. Um, (laughs) how many bins would you say we have, Emily? Um, well, it's there. It's probably 20 plus bins with probably 20 plus pockets in each bin. Oh my gosh. So yeah. So we, we, we have over, I think our count now is just, is over 1800. I want to say it's probably closer to 2000 measurements Holy smokes! for, for rings that we make. Yeah. Ready to go. Well, yeah. the reason, oh, yeah. I, the reason I ask is, uh, so a while back I, I ordered a ring from you for a, a fairly, oh, I don't want to say obscure, but it's a, it's an engine that, you know, folks don't use much anymore. That Irvine 40, one of them I mm-hmm. put on the Duelist project. And like, I, I think I had the ring from you in less than, it was less than a week for sure. So obviously yeah, yeah. you didn't make that for, you had that ready to go probably, right? You know, you know, typically if we don't have it, now the typical turnaround is, you know, I within the United States we can we can definitely have it to our customer within within a week. That's now, incredible. I, you know, we we can't. I'm sure you guys are well aware, but uh, we can't aware we can't uh, be held responsible for how long or or, or how quickly the U.S. Postal Service you know, <laughs> oh, works. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and, and over the last couple of years, it's really been trying on our patients just because you know, we've had issues with lost parcels or just really, really, really delayed deliveries. Yeah. So, you know, but typically, you know, in a perfect world, say you ordered on a Sunday, because typically on Sundays when I think everybody kind of goes through their either their inventory or they have an issue with an engine or right. it's it's, you know, uh, service time or whatever the case may be. Yep. We'll get an order on a Saturday or Sunday or Monday, but typically you can have it before the next weekend. Yeah, that's fantastic. I mean, to me, that is amazing for something so mm. specialized. And I mean, let's be honest, it's a niche market to it have is. something to, ready to go that quickly is amazing to me. <laughs> and this well, is in we, addition we, to your full-time job. I mean, this is um, something yes. you do. Yeah. <laughs> so you run, you have a full-time job and then yes. the kids and the family stuff. And then, oh, by the way, we run this really uh, awesome business. Uh, it, yeah, to me, it's incredible. <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't know how yeah. you do it, but I'm glad you do. Well, <laughs> that's why I said, you know, I'm the world's worst about talking about myself. You know, just my, my wife usually, you know, she'll either just kind of take over those duties or <laughs> I because I, I usually just kind of skim over it. 
Yeah. I skim over or I just kind of just retire myself. Like, I've got stuff to do. I don't have time to talk about myself. So I'll just go back to work. <laughs> yeah. So. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm happy to do it for you because like I said, um, that engine has never ran better, by the way. So. Well, I really appreciate yeah. it. Thank you. And I don't know if you want to share the story with, with when that, what happened with your order. Well, I was, I was hoping not to because uh, it was a mistake that I made, but I'll tell everybody what happened. So um, I ordered the wrong ring. Uh, so Irvine, not to get too far in the weeds, but Irvine made their 40 in three or four different marks, right? It was a Mark 1, yep. 2, 3, 4. And they each had these minor little differences. Well, you know, to the average Joe Schmo like me, Irvine 40 is an Irvine 40. I'll just order an Irvine 40 ring and it'll be fine. Well, no, mm -hmm. that wasn't the case. Um, got the got the ring that I ordered from you and it was obviously the wrong ring because I didn't do my mm -hmm. due diligence. And you happily sent me uh, the correct ring. I well, mean, I really didn't want to focus on on that part of your order <laughs> where the mistake happened. But you know what you're what you're alluding to is you. So I was I remember that day distinctly because I was in the living room playing with the boys, and um, so you called. Oh, I'm so and, sorry, um, I interrupted. No, your no, you're, time. you're you're it's perfectly fine, um, it, because it happens all the time. And okay. usually phone calls they're they're usually pretty quick. You know, I, I I can we've been doing it long enough that I can typically identify um, the issue rather okay. quickly. And um, so you called and, and mentioned your order. We look up the order and I asked you, um, is it a Dykes ring? And after a brief pause, you, you said, um, I said, okay, does it look like an L? Yeah. <laughs> you, you know? And yep. he said, yeah, it does. I said, okay, so you, you ordered a standard ring and uh, you needed to order a Dykes ring. Yep. You know? And then I followed up with, um, can I ask you a question? And um, you said, sure. And I said, are you on a podcast? <laughs> And you shyly kind of acknowledged it, and I said, "Okay, yeah, I listen to you guys all the time when I'm in the machine, when, in the in the when I'm working on rings, you know." So that I think that's what that that really kind of stood out for me. You know, yeah. I, I could tell from just from your voice. I figured, I you know, what's the worst that can happen? I might as well just ask. So, <laughs> so I've heard this guy yeah. somewhere before. Yeah, was in mm -hmm. prison. Yeah, <laughs> was in prison. <laughs> well, I didn't. I did, like so. Kind of like you, I'm not big about talking about myself, and I certainly don't want to bring attention to myself uh, when I'm when I'm placing an order with a company or something like that because I don't want to come off as, "Hey, can you do me this favor? I run this podcast. Right. I'm on this podcast. I'm a. I don't want to be that guy. So I, yeah, I tried to keep that quiet, and yeah, you found me out. <laughs> yeah, you certainly did because um, I was going to send you a free ring, and you were very insistent upon. Um, no, no, no. I'll, I'll, I, I know what I need to order. Yeah. So I'll just, it was my I'll mistake. Order the ring. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm the ding dong that ordered the wrong <laughs> one. So, and I learned something, which is actually, uh, to, to further that conversation, not only did I learn a little bit more about the differences in the, in the, um, cross sectional view of the, that particular ring, I also learned something about the composition of a, uh, piston ring. You want to, do you want to talk about that a little bit? So that's that's one thing that's definitely been um, uh, I wouldn't say a point of contention. It used to be. I, I just really quit arguing with people online, um, <laughs> just because you, know, you I'm, never as went I online. I, yeah. Well, I just I just carry. I've got I have better things to do with my time. I just I, I'm tired of repeating. You know, rinse and repeat and and explaining the same thing to, to yep. individuals. The information is out there. If you if you have specific questions, by all means, you know, I'll definitely you know talk to a. To, to whoever about it. But if it turns into a, you know, a gotcha, 
gotcha kind of question back and forth. I, I just, I don't, I don't have the time or patience for that, yep. but you know, just, just to provide some information. So we continued on, we, we did not change anything when it came, when it comes to material selection from what Frank, Frank did. And as I mentioned, just with his wealth of knowledge and in not only machining, but also metallurgy, you know, that I, why reinvent the wheel? You know, it's essentially what I, what we, what we came up with. Exactly. And, um, so he, we, we use a very specific grade of cast iron, you know, why cast iron? Because it's not, it's not one of those, you know, extraordinary, you know, um, exotic metals. Uh, why would you just use plain, plain old cast iron? Well, primarily the main reason why we use cast iron is just because of its, um, for all the geeks, nerds and geeks out there, because I'm including myself in there, mm-hmm. we take advantage of the one metallurgical um, property that it has when it comes, and that's the coefficient of expansion. A lot of folks wonder why can you run such a tight end gap, and by end gap, that's just the space between the ends of the piston ring. When compressing your cylinder, um, the 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 allowable space we we um, we file those ends to is approximately one thousandth of an inch. Mm-hmm. And for perspective, your you know my my hair off the my head is <laughs> closer to four thousandths of an inch. Yep. So that gap is approximately four times smaller. Yep. So just just for perspective, Very a sheet small. of paper, right? A sheet of paper is a pro, is you know depending on the brand is between three and a half thousandths to four and a half thousandths. You know, just just to kind of put perspective in there. So when when I when we ship rings and I gap them before shipping, you know, it the uh, you can't re- you can't find a well for practical purposes you can't find an, um, a feeler gauge that's one thousandth of an inch. They typically start at one and a half, mm-hmm. and that's the smallest feeler gauge you can find commercially available, and that's too big. Yep. So just just for perspective. Um, but a lot of the arguments are, well, you know, when, when the engine gets up to temperature, everything's going to expand. And because that gap is so small, the ring ends are going to butt up against each other and you're going to, the engine's going to lock up or it's going to rip the top off the piston. Yep. And, you know, typically that's just, you know, we're, we're going to talk um, or compare it to just what the typical generally accepted practices are. You know, for one inch of bore, you go three to four thousands per one inch of bore. That. That consideration is essentially, it's really, it's, it's determined by the material selection. And mm-hmm. as I mentioned, most commer- most off-the-shelf piston rings are made of some kind of alloy of steel. Steel, yeah. Yeah, and, and that's a great material. It's, it, you know, the longevity, there are lots of pros and cons that comes with that material selection. However, right. steel's coefficient of expansion is ridiculous compared to cast iron. Right. And so usually, where that's expand. used, you have a you have a larger margin for that, also. Right, right. Yeah. And so, if ever if people you know are, are ever wondering you know why there's typically a wide margin, so you have you know we'll stick to the DLE twenty. I've seen end gaps range from ten thousands all the way up to twenty two thousands from and the that, factory. That's a, from the factory, yeah. yes. And that is a mm-hmm. wide, wide margin. <laughs> now you'd, you'd say, okay, well, you know, maybe your cylinder inside diameter is different. You know, the ring, the ring being the constant, but the, you know, the machining. So how much the, uh, the bore diameter on your cylinders? I found I've, in my experience, I found minimal differences in bore diameter. So mm-hmm. the variable is going to be the piston the ring. ring. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, when you have such a wide variety of, of tolerances, you know, when when you have piston rings, they're built thousands, 
commercially available or OEM piston rings, they're built typically thousands at a time. When you have when you have that kind of volume, the the uh, tension, the tolerance, you know, depending on how the QA is set up mm-hmm. in, in those factories, it's typically not achievable right. to what we're doing. And and granted, we do them in, on a much smaller scale, but right. we the, the the control of the quality is extremely stricter. Yeah, and so, that explains why. <clears throat> and I hear this all the time: why a brand new engine A doesn't run as good as my brand new engine a well there you go i mean the differences in that machining process or the or the qa you know could could certainly factor in why some engines run better than the other even tolerances just gang up on even given from the same manufacturer yeah and that's why i mean just just think about the the uh the models you guys are talking about uh having twin engines you know the (laughs) typical what's the typical approach you typically tune for the, the weaker engine exactly you yep. know, and that that really is that is that generally acceptable? Yes, of course. In my world, that is absolutely unacceptable. <laughs> you know, the engine, ha- both engines, whatever engine, it doesn't. I don't care. It doesn't matter the the name that's stamped on there, whether it's you know one of the most popular brands or you know just the uh, or a knockoff of a knockoff of a knockoff. And you know, I'm, I'm I may not I'm not. I'm not exaggerating when I say three times knockoff because that, that does happen. Oh yeah. Um, sure. <laughs> you know, and, and, and to get them to all to perform, you know, at tip top shape, that's, that's, uh, that's, that's where I, I thrive. Yeah. And we're just talking engine rings or a piston ring. Yeah. It's just a piston ring. I mean, we're not talking about the knockoff carburetors and I mean, we could go on and on, but yeah. Yes. That's why, you know, I, that's why I'm so thankful you do what you do <laughs> because that's one because that's one variable you can eliminate from the factor or from the equation. You know what I mean? Oh, there are lots of variables, you know, <laughs> when it comes to growing paints that we can just eliminate primarily just with, with the, uh, just with the piston ring. And, you know, one thing that, another thing that we, um, question we get is, um, well, <clears throat> why, why would you, why would you change the ring out? Well, if, if you've been one of the poor souls that have, you know, dealt with a, a, a a tough tuning or inconsistent tuning engine, you've put a new carburetor on there and guess what? It's still doing the same thing. Well, one thing to keep in mind is when you, when you have a OEM ring and it's a hard steel ring, the heat treating process could be inconsistent. So you could have a lot of ring tension, you know, at some mm-hmm. point around, around the ring. Yeah. And we're definitely getting off in the weeds here. However, you know, with, with our ring, I've spent, once we got the machining processes optimized, I spent hours upon hours upon hours of making prototypes and trying them out, you know, just the surface finish uh, on, on the ring, which I call the business end, which is the, the uh, surface of the piston ring that's yep. interacting with the cylinder wall. The cylinder, yeah. But just optimizing that finish so that your break-in time is, is almost non-existent mm-hmm. anymore. Yeah. You know, so typically the issues that you have with break-in is just inconsistent running, um, high idle. You can't achieve your your top RPM. Um, engine compression is it feels almost non-existent. You know, on and on and on. Yes. You know, and we, on the on the issue of of compression, you know, I I we have customers that call or you know the men, that it's mentioned on on. Uh, whatever groups you may look at on social media or the popular um, RC groups, flying giants, RC universe, you know, the t- it's, it's often explained as, you know, our rings will 
will increase your compression. And to be perfectly uh, honest, I would, I would, I don't ever tell our customers that it's going to increase your compression. Mm -hmm. What I do tell our customers is you will recognize the compression the engine was designed to have. Yes. And the reason why that is, is, you know, with the OEM ring, um, there's so much blow by and there's so many areas for improvement where whatever your whatever seal that piston ring is supposed to provide it it, it does not and with our ring the only place for blow by is going to be the end gap and as i mentioned before it takes a lot to get past one thousandth of an inch yes (laughs) only so many molecules of air can pass through that yeah. Yeah. And I, I don't have enough free time. I can probably calculate that. But. <laughs> That's okay. Yeah, we don't. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. So, so you, you chose or, or Frank, whoever chose, um, would, would you say it's a ductile iron or it's just a plain cast iron that you guys use or that you use? What I always tell our customers is a very specific grade of cast iron. Okay. And you use that as opposed to steel because there's a difference between iron and steel. Yes, absolutely. There is iron uh-huh. in steel, but there's a lot of other crap in iron or steel also. Right. Um, and right. so you choose iron because of the um, somewhat minimal coefficient of expansion. Yes. Yeah. And you know, if you really look at it, you know, think of an engine. What's what, what materials are involved in you know on the on the in the combustion chamber? You have an, uh, typically it's an aluminum piston. Mm-hmm. You have um, yeah, and this is. A steel liner in in the, in the situation of a, a glow engine, typically if if it's a liner type engine, um, and a cast iron ring. So mm-hmm. we I think we all understand that between steel and aluminum, they expand their rate of of expansion or their coefficient of expansion is extremely higher compared to iron. Oh yeah. And you know it's just we make some. We, we make some tweaks on the um, just the specifications between the uh, OEM ring and, and what we end up um, making commercially available. Um, and, but we, it's, it ultimately ends up being we just take it. We definitely work the advantages in, in our end, on our end. Mm-hmm. I love it. I'm just like so like these two guys are just kind of <laughs> looking off into this, but this really, really uh, intrigues me. I, I could go on and on, but let's, I don't think that's fair. I knew, like, I know this episode is one you were just going to geek out about oh, and watch really it. Like excited. your face is just like, <laughs> I mean, you have not stopped smiling this whole time. So yeah, well, I, it's awesome. I know. Um, but but that's okay. a black science to me. So. All right. Before, <laughs> <laughs> before we move on to like what these guys would probably consider the fun stuff, although this has been really fun for me. I, I enjoy getting into the weeds a, too when I understand it. Yeah. Oh, okay. So it's, I like the whole time I'm sitting here listening, forgetting that this is not like a published episode somewhere else I'm listening to. You know what I'm talking <laughs> yes. about? Like, yeah. Cause you just, you get into it. You're like, yeah. okay, cool. Oh, oh, I'm supposed to talk now. Hold on. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I get so lost in the in what yeah, he's talking. I don't want to interrupt. Yeah. Um, well, so Bjorn, before I, I we move on, just, go ahead. Hold on, hold on, just a second. Just I guess for the two laymen in the room, what this is going to translate into is you're going to have a significantly lower idle. I can I can really go into the weeds on why that is, but I won't. Um, <laughs> and then um, and also typically what we see, you know, with a properly tuned engine, you can have yet you'll end up with several hundred more RPM on the top end. Yeah. So it's a win-win for everybody. Yeah, and even on even on my small little Irvine 40s, I noticed huge pr- improvements on both uh, the idle yeah. quality 
and the top end performance. Once yeah. you got the right yeah. ring. Once I got the right <laughs> ring and I got it broken in properly. But yeah, uh, it did take a few tanks. Uh, but man is, yeah, they, well, anyway, uh, really, <laughs> and, you know, I'm just going to say, that. I will say, I will say, Tom, um, you more than likely got, well, as you mentioned, that's, it's a pretty, uh, um, it's not, uh, I'll just be nice. And I say, it's not our most popular engine that we make <laughs> rings for. So more than likely the ring you got was probably, it was more than likely, um, a non-optimized ring when it comes to surface finish, you know, just to be completely um, oh, transparent. Really? Okay. Yeah. Oh, um, I, I see. You're, so you're getting at why it might have taken a little bit longer to break in? Yes. Yeah. yeah. So that surface finish I mentioned earlier, yeah. again, not to get into the weeds. No, no. For the other guys in the room. But uh, that's more than likely the reason for that. No, I'm totally tracking. And by the way, I'm I'm totally okay with it taking time to uh, break in because I really enjoy running engines on my workbench. I really do. <laughs> like it, it really... It's, it's it, satisfying. Yeah, it is. And I, it's just one of those things. I'm a, you know an engine geek or whatever, so... And that's okay. Yeah. All right. Mm -hmm. So that's enough talk about work. Um, is there anything <laughs> else you want to talk about as far as the business goes that you want people to know that uh, that are listening? So um, we 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 process all of our orders through our website, which is um, rmjmachineworks.com. Mm -hmm. um, we it, when you when you go into that, it'll take you to our homepage. It'll just kind of give you a broad perspective of you know, what we offer. It's an impressive oh, yeah. list, and, by the way. Well, and I, <laughs> yes, thank you. And, yeah. and my wife mentioned to tell you, it's RMJ Machine Works. So that's W-O-R-X. Yes. Yep. So just, just uh, attention to detail there. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we, we, <laughs> we, we have, um, you know, just, just to kind of give you a broad overview of what we do on the homepage. And then, you know, on the business end of it, just click on the online store under categories, pick your manufacturer, um, and then pick your, um, your displacement. And ring style. So in case you have a standard ring, you have a Dykes ring. Sometimes there are three options where you have a standard ring with no pin relief. You have a standard ring with a pin relief or you have a Dyke style ring. Sometimes it's even more. You have a Dyke style ring yeah. without a pin relief. Oh, it's just on and on and on. <laughs> so, so, yeah, for, for <laughs> the listeners on our links page, I'm pretty sure Ron has added at my request, probably, uh, your RMJ Machine Works uh, website on there. So Yeah, we'll right. do that, and then we'll put the link to the at the bottom of this episode, Perfect. too, obviously. Yep. So, awesome. Excellent. And then, you know, and for the situation, you know, for the for the oddball situation, and why I say oddball, you know, some custom rings, the, the most custom one, you know, we've, we've done um, some rings for a, a machine or a, a speed shop out of Houston. Their, their, their main business is restoring older Porsches. So mm. we've done, it was a 1972-73 era Porsche air-cooled engine. Cool. So those rings were unobtainium. Uh -huh. um, that's not a metal. That's just, that's a statement. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yes, I understand you that. Know? I, yeah, but some people think, so, well, what is this unobtainium? I've never heard of that. Well, And I've never seen it. <laughs> and you probably never yeah. will because that's, it's unobtainable. Get it? Yeah. So. Yeah. Right. So we've we've made some some rings for for those folks, and they're they're um you know they 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 were very happy with one being able to find someone that actually sure. can make them, but also just the precise the precise nature of of the the rings. You know, anymore awesome. it's just that's just a standard process anymore. It's not you know typically when the higher the precision goes, the the more one off things get. But for us, that's just the only thing we do. Yeah, yeah, that's um, awesome. And then to get that, and then probably to get that instant feedback, like when when they install them and run mm -hmm. them, they probably are like, hey, by the way, we ran it. It's awesome. Thank you. And that's got to make right. you feel good, right? About what Absolutely. you do. Yeah. You know, that, and then we, you know, we've done turn up the century steam engines. 
Um, yeah, it's just That's a awesome. wide variety. We've done Caterpillar um, or John Deere hit or miss engines. I can't tell you how many of those we've done. Um, they're lo- typically uh, rotor tillers that are turn of turn of now not turn of century. Those um, probably. 30s, 40s, 50 era engines mm-hmm. that just you just do not have parts for. Maintain washers because some of those. You know, back if it in has the... a, if it has an engine or yeah. if it has any any requirement for compressing, um, I'll I'll leave it at that for compressing. We've made piston <laughs> rings for it. Nice, cool. Yeah. It's Anything actually else? good to know that, because yeah. I've got an old hit and miss yeah. John Deere hit and miss out in the shop that I've not had a lot of luck getting running. Uh oh, here we yeah, go. Yeah, and you probably—I was probably the last person you'd ever hear here to uh, say the words "hit or miss." You <laughs> yeah, know, I, I wasn't I, expecting I to go there on this one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I was not expecting that either. But uh, yeah, good, I was just wondering if you did things be outside the uh, model airplane side of things. Yeah. Yes. So. Yeah, it's not—you know—about ninety percent of our business is you know model airplane or RC car uh, related or tether car. You know, we've done those as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, free flight models that do have the timed—I'm I, I, not an expert on that, but. They have the uh, timed run, um, engine run time, and then you know, there's only enough fuel to get up to a certain altitude. Um, so we've we've done those as well, but we we've, we've done some uh, some tricks to increase the output for those engines. So oh, okay, <laughs> all right. Little, it's not cheating if it's still running the same. Yeah, hey, hey, man, if, if you it's can't, not in the if rules. you're not caught, <laughs> <laughs> if it's not in the rules or if you're not caught, it's fully legal. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> Just ask NASCAR. Right. Yes. <laughs> All right. Okay. Well, Bjorn, thanks. Uh, that was awesome. So now let's. Uh, and but, like, I don't know how you find time to to do this next bit. Um, mm-hmm. You know the, the airplanes, but uh, you 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 send us a list uh, of you know your number. Which, by mm-hmm. the way, what is your number? I put approximately twenty five. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and to me, that's a that. A, blows my mind because I, <laughs> you, you have a full-time job and then, oh, yep. by the way, you run this really, uh, really awesome ring business on the side. Oh, and by the way, I also fly airplanes. Like, how do you yes. find the time to do all of that? It just uh, I, blows my mind. I, yeah. Sometimes I, I, yeah, for me, it's just like, oh my goodness. Sometimes <laughs> it's just, <laughs> all right. yeah. Okay. All right. So I'm looking at your list and I got to tell you, Ron, Ron is, is really, really impressed by your list. Yeah. I see a lot of yaks on there. So yeah. I'm, I really like that. <laughs> He's a big yak guy. Uh, a lot of gas, which makes me happy. Obviously not a lot of yes. electric, which makes me happier. Uh, so we'll just, I'm just going to move on down the list here. Uh, so you, we start with a krill yak 55, the 37 and a half percent. Uh, that's mm-hmm. got a DLE 170. So that's about a what? A hundred and... 10-ish wing? A hundred and big. No, it's like 122. 100, it's 100 a big, big. plane. I like that. A hundred and big. Yeah, it's it's big. Okay. It's the biggest plane I have. Yeah. Okay. So b- before I go further, like how often do you actually get to fly? Now, <laughs> all my friends listening that I fly with locally are probably going to laugh. <laughs> not enough. <laughs> we'll, we'll just say not enough. Not enough. Okay. No, That's fine. No. That's fair. Uh, so next we have a, a comp arf edge 35% with a 3W110 mm-hmm. on it. Um, yeah. what's it okay, so next is an EG aircraft MX2 30%. What's EG? Um, I don't know. That was this is probably my oldest airplane. Okay. Um if you remember, so it was EG aircraft slipstream. So slipstream was the budget Slip the budget stream, side of it. Yeah, that rings a bell. So was that of, the marketed uh, together? 
Yeah, yeah. Okay. So EG was the, the the really up high end line. Okay. Um, and then uh, slip slipstream was the uh, the budget version of it. So okay. I mean, this plane is over, right, twelve years old now. Okay. So yeah. and it's a thirty percent with the DLE mm-hmm. fifty five. Would that be yeah. the RA? No, this okay. is the original. Oh, it's twelve years old. The RA oh, okay. hadn't even yeah, been yeah, thought that's of. Right. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, this is the original side exhaust. Um, so this is where. I'll just leave that story alone. Um, it, <laughs> no, it, feel free. It, yeah. It's okay. That's it, why uh, we're here. It uh, it really opened my eyes on the uh, QC that goes in between um, the engine distributors. Yeah. So needless to say, I had an EG aircraft MX2 and I had an EG aircraft Raven. The mm. Raven I sold to a local flyer, but the uh, the engine that I had in my Raven came from a distributor that shall not be named. Okay. But it's a very common distributor. Um, and compared to the amount of time I put on the MX-2, which, did, excuse me, didn't even compare, but the amount of mechanical damage and failure that I had on the Raven, uh, really? it was, this is unbelievable. Yeah. Huh. Okay. So I, I ended up getting replacement repair parts for that 55 in the Raven from the, the uh, distributor that I bought the uh, MX-2 55 from, if that makes sense. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And never again did I have a problem. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, and, and so, so I'm, I'm looking mm-hmm. ahead at the list and I'm noting what, uh, what manufacturer is missing. So I'm, I'm trying to read between the lines, but we'll, we'll leave. No, that no, it's not a, it's not an engine manufacturer. It's a distributor. Oh, the, okay. All right. Specifically yeah. limited to, okay. Well, fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So moving on, we have a world models, uh, third scale clipped wing cub. And unfortunately it says sold. Why'd you sell a cub? <sighs> well, there's such a local fun flyer, fly. Jim. Jim, I hope you're listening. Jim wanted it more than I did. So, okay. you know, Jim's a good guy and, and, and I know he's going to treat it well. So therefore, yeah, I, I definitely agreed. My wife looked at me when I decided to, to sell it. She said, are you sure? Are you feeling okay? <laughs> yeah. You love that cub. So yeah, they it, are fun it was to fun. Fly. Yeah. And which goes back to, uh, to, to that, what's further down the line, the boomerang. So the boomerang didn't just appear out of thin air. I had to fund the boomerang. So uh-huh. I yeah, I, I want, when we get to that mm-hmm. one, I want to talk to that. Yeah. Talk about that. Okay. We'll get, all right. So yeah. I'll, I'll move these through these real quick. So Ron can talk. Mm-hmm. Then. Uh, extreme flight slick 35 CC, uh, DLE 35, yes. uh, Skywing edge 35 CC electric. It says here, is this your only electric? Mm-hmm. No, no, I have a couple. Okay. Uh, Skywing edge, the 70 CC size, uh, with a mm-hmm. GP 76, uh, Tower Hobbies 60 Trainer. That, so this is like the odd man out, right? The, the Tower Trainer yeah. among all these fantastic airplanes, which I'm not saying that the Tower Trainer is not a fantastic airplane, but it's just kind of the odd duck in the collection so far. Well, well you have to have a trainer. The, well, that's true. Yeah, and that one that one replaced a uh, an apprentice. And, and, and in defense of the apprentice, I did <laughs> buy all of the parts that they had been sitting on the shelf um, in a hobby shop for, nice. I have no idea, probably several years. So sure. that foam was not the best, Yeah, huh. but, uh, I, you know, it, it didn't, it flew with incidents issues. It, uh, it, it was horrible. So I, I found a, a good deal, ironically from a customer who ordered the ring that's in that engine that we're, our daughter was going to a marine biology camp, a week long camp in, in Galveston, Texas. So we were driving through and I, I saw that deal come across and, uh, you know, we stopped by and we visited and, you know, it's good to put a face to a name, but it was one of our customers that ordered a ring that's, that's on that engine. Oh. So we, we visited, you know, we, we talked about more than just a hobby. He had a nice Mustang in his garage and yeah. Yeah. Cool. 
it's funny how how, how the how the ends meet sometimes. Uh, yes. Let's see. Oh, uh, so mag that one has an eighty four stroke on it, a Magnum. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's in the process of uh, being swapped up for a Sato FG fourteen gas. Ah, okay. Well, that's okay. But, but you're, not you're wondering about that. <laughs> but you were wondering about that being the odd man out. Um, so the boys, they're, they're, that's that's going to be their trainer. Excellent. Nice. Yeah. So teaching them the yeah. business and also flyers. Ah, oh, I love yes. it. Yes. I have got to go to Texas and visit you guys. This is awesome. <laughs> At least fly with you. Well, come on out. All right. Next is a value hobby stick, uh, 60 mm -hmm. to 90 gas with a DLE 20. Uh, yes. I bet that fly is awesome. It's it's a rocket ship. Oh, I didn't ask you before I move on because we're on the stick right here. Can I ask? Do you have a go-to airplane? Like when you go to the field, the one airplane that that always makes the trip. Or so the last time the last time out, I, I brought the stick with me. But um, further down the line, you'll see that I have a, um, a E Flight Viper 90 millimeter EDF. That's yeah. so that's my first e one EDF, but also first airplane with uh, retracts. Huh? And, you know, just a local guy, it was just one of those deals I couldn't refuse. Plus, I knew I was getting the boomerang. So I wanted something to kind of kind of prepare, prepare me you. for the boomerang. Nope, I got yeah. It. Yep. yeah. So, um, but, but you know, just a go-to, I, I usually have to stick with me. Um, the, um, yes. the Extreme Flight Slick, 35cc, you know, this is just kind of if I just need to get it in and go fly. Sure. Um, you know, I, and it's, I don't have to take my trailer with me. I can put both of those in my truck and just go to the field. Yep. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. um, all right. Next, we have the Extreme Flight MXS V2 uh, that has, oh, that's electric. Okay. Mm -hmm. And the dual sky, blah, blah, blah. Right. Okay. Yep. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> uh, we have a lamb yak. I'm not familiar with that. Profile electric mm -hmm. with a G3. Oh, okay. That's an electric. Okay. G I saw yep. G32 and I was thinking, really a G32? I didn't know it was no one made a 30, but it's not electric. I see. Yeah. It this is another one of those really, really old airplanes, but it, it, you know, I was, I, I still, I still have a couple of profiles, but, uh, you know, it was getting into the 3d style of flying and that was the most economic way for me to do it because sure. with, with these profile planes, right, you can, you can just beat on them. And, uh, you, you know, typically if you break the prop, I, I'd be surprised, but you know, unless you make a pretty big mistake, it's usually, they're pretty robust airframes yeah. and, um, you could just, uh, slap new batteries on and keep flying. But they're so ugly. Well, but I it's, didn't a, say it's they a were tool. pretty. Well, it's, that's I true. They were pretty. Yeah, yeah I suppose if tool. you look at it in that regard, that it's a tool, then okay, uh -huh. I guess I can look past how. When your yeah. buddies come over, this is not the airplane you're showing off. <laughs> it's not the no. one you want oh, sitting no. on the bench. <laughs> right. right. Okay. Not, gotcha. Well, there, there was a group of guys that I was flying with that all they exclusively flew were profiles. So yeah, we were proud of our profiles. Oh, you know, man. but that's a very very small group of people. Yes, I can imagine. <laughs> <laughs> Next, we got the, the uh, Value Hobby Sabre 56 Profile Electric. A yeah. Sabre 56. So is that like a – well, I'm not even going to try to imagine what that looks like because it's, it's a profile. It's, just a, it's, a, it's a big profile, yeah. E-Flight like Optera. size profile. Mm -hmm. And then we have an E-Flight Scimitar. You say you've never flown it. I had a Scimitar, and I also never flew it before yeah. I sold it. Uh, is that the one – that's the one with the thrust vectoring, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, they look like they fly cool, but I never mm -hmm. flew mine either before I got rid of it. So if you right. fly yours, let me know. Uh, it probably won't happen. I'll probably sell it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, an E-Flight Sukhoi, the green one. Uh, mm -hmm. and then we have here the E-Flight Viper 90, which, uh, is your 
prep for the next one, which is yeah. a boomerang Elan 140. But, you know, just to rewind to the, um, to the Viper one, it was my first ever, ever experience flying an EDF okay. and, or, or a jet at all. You know, I, I, and I was blown away. Right. Yeah. So I wanted to, I wanted to bring that up because I, okay. So we have talked about before, <laughs> I'm sorry, now I'm getting flustered. So we've talked about mm-hmm. before the fact that I want to get into turbines in mm-hmm. the next couple of years, most likely. Right. Um, and so that was what, what you have here is actually pretty close to what my exact thought was. Start off with the 90 millimeter, uh, the Viper, because those I've, I know a couple of people that have them and they fly wonderfully. Um, yes. I've not flown one before, though. What like compare it to a normal airplane? Like what do you see a lot of differences in it or is it just pretty much like any other airplane you've flown? Just propellers smaller and in a motor um, that's inside you know, of a tube as opposed to And it to sounds like a hairdryer. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, yeah, it does. Um, it does. So the, the one major difference is that, you know, flying, <laughs> I do have a tendency of overpowering my airplanes. Um, no. I noticed and, that was a third <laughs> or a third scale cut with a 120cc motor. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, that's just ridiculous. But, um, you know, it's it, the um, there's a slight bit of lag associated with the EDF, yeah. you know, when you don't have that prop thrust over your control surfaces, it's, it's noticeable, okay. but I will say the way, you know, at, I used to be one of those, um, I, I didn't like AS3X, you know, pe- people yeah. just because I was basing it off of early, early, early AS3X technology, you know, and again, everything, there was a huge lag between when I got out of the hobby and when I got back in and then the amount of time when the boys came along with the amount of available flying time. Fortunately for me, the technology progressed so much that it definitely skewed my perspective. You know, the, 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 um, the Viper, it has the AS3X, but I don't, I guess there are two options for AS3X where it has safer, right. just AS3X. So I just fly in the AS with the, uh, I guess the, uh, the AS3X version, no, not the non-safe um, right version of the receiver and just just the flight characteristics of it um it, it was man it it was it definitely re re um directed my just my um i guess enthusiasm for flying an edf jet you know because i before the major holdup and it still is is the uh, short flight times yeah, yeah but i typically don't fly you know the left stick is not a switch for me you know, so I definitely modulate the throttle. Sure. And, you know, I was able to get six well, minute flights, to. no problem. Yeah. yeah. You know, because typically the guys that I that have flown that plane here locally, you know, three and a half minutes and you need to land. Yep. Yeah. And I was squeaking out, you know, six, six and a half minute flights. But I typically, I just like to see the airplane fly by at a maybe medium speed just because I just appreciate the lines of the airplane. Right. I'm just one of those guys. I don't, I don't need to burn holes in the sky. I just, I really like looking at airplanes and, and, and flying them. It doesn't have to be the fastest thing around, even though it's more than capable because I tried that. Yeah, and, right. you know, it's just, it's just, yeah, it's just, it's a, it's a wonderful flying airplane. A low, slow pass is like gorgeous to me. And that's, that's what I yeah. like seeing and like yeah. doing too. So yeah. yeah, drop the flaps to landing flaps, keep the gear up and just, you know, keep it barely in the sky. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's just awesome. Mm-hmm. And see, I, I kind of used to be on your side too about the AS3X stuff until like I always thought it was cheating, mm-hmm. but it was it was explained to me like we're members of Eli Field, and when we were over talking to some of the Horizon guys, it was mm-hmm. explained to me in, in a way that actually made it click with me 
to where I'm like, okay, now I fully understand it, which it's, it's weird how you can hear one sentence and it changes your mind on things. But you the know, guy said, you, go on. No, go ahead. I was going to say what, what he, or the way he explained it to me was it's like driving a car and imagine having a car that has no suspension whatsoever. Yeah, it's still going to get you from point A to point B, but when you hit the pot roads or potholes in the road, you're going to you're going to see it. It's going to be problematic. It's not going to be as smooth of a ride. With AS3X, it's like putting suspension on the car, and you're still completely in control over what the car is doing, where it's going, all that kind of stuff. It's just smoothing out the potholes in the road when you're driving. Yeah. And it's like, oh, that makes a lot of sense to me. Mm-hmm. And I used to share that point of view as well because my perspective of gyro or assisted gyro flying was a I had an Eagle Tree Guardian um, in a, um, a Park Zone uh, Extra Three Hundred, you know, a foam the foam orange airplane, mm-hmm. and um, you know, so that was my first venture into um, flying with a gyro, and you know, I made a bonehead mistake that one of the gains was opposite of. Or the, yeah, the, the correction on the Oops. elevator was opposite. So <laughs> it hit a. Uh, I turned on the gyro. I trimmed the airplane, turned on the gyro, and it made a beeline for the ground. Mm-hmm. And that was probably the fastest I've ever switched the switch on my transmitter. <laughs> to, <laughs> and I grabbed a full, uh, you know, a handful of um, elevator, brought it back around, and realized the mistake that I'd made, you know, and and, and adjusted it. But you know. This again. This is over ten-year-old technology, and you know the, the what, what people most um, often describe it as is that it feels like it's interfering when you're flying, you know. And that particular gyro definitely felt like you know it was interfering with oh, what yeah. I was wanting to do back then. Yeah, and, for um, sure. Mm-hmm, yeah. yeah, and and now the gyros are just incorporated in. Uh, it's, at least the uh, the spectrum gyros, they're incorporated into the receiver, and the way the the pre-programmed one in, in the Viper, at least. Um, the way it flew, it was it felt very, very, very minimally invasive. So I mean, it, only time you could really notice that it was that it had a gyro is if you're doing a four point um, roll, you know. And it's trying to correct. Granted, it was one of those windy days, but when I say very, it's it, if you really had to pick out a, a negative, you know, on this particular airframe again, um, it that was the only thing that I would have to complain about, and I didn't complain about it at all. You know? Yeah, mm-hmm. it's kind of the way it is with my Carbon Z T twenty eight. Don't even know it's there. Yeah, uh, right. until I roll it inverted, right. and then it's trying to fight to pull the airplane back upright. But yeah. other than right. that, you never even know it's there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and the one when I would notice it is if you're doing you know your first on, on, like again for a four point roll that first ninety degree turn, that's when you can kind of feel it. And then as you roll it roll it to inverted, you can kind of feel it again. And then the next ninety degrees, kinda. And then as you're rolling going back to right side up, it's just it's back to business but again you know you guys are talking about gyros i live in west texas now and the wind blows pretty much all the time and that 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 alone will make you a believer you know it it, i don't not all of my airplanes have gyros but i don't frown on the ones that do because i actually you know they they really do open up more flying days you know and on a day that you otherwise would not fly just because of the wind well that's almost a thing of the past well and here's how i look at it if if it's a tool and it, uh, you know, makes flying more enjoyable, then you're probably going to fly more and get more mm-hmm. out of the hobby. So who cares? Right. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. I agree. That's the way I look at it now. So, yeah. yeah. And, and I, I used and to and feel it, the same way, uh, Bjorn. I used to feel exactly the same way. Well, I don't need a gyro to control my airplane. I'm in control of my own airplane. But yeah, I've gone mm-hmm. away from that now too, because just like you said, it's so seamless 
I'm sorry, just like Ron said, it, it just kind of smooths out the bumps. Yeah. It's not it doing really the flying for you. You're still flying. It's just mm -hmm. making it yeah. better and more and I, enjoyable. I think there's some confusion between AS3X and safe and all oh, that kind of stuff. Yeah, to where yeah. starting on safe. Yeah, and, and and I will tell you, I was one of those confused by it till I actually took the time to read the manual yeah. and understand it. You know, Us that's be, because I, I really believe that probably in the past, and again, you know, just like with that Eagle Tree um, Guardian gyro setup, that you know the Momo behind the uh, controller doing the setup, which was me. I made the mistake and you know, the same thing would probably apply with, you know, safe or AS three X setting up. Yeah. Yeah. I agree completely. And I know what you mean about the, like the four point rolls and stuff. I have one of the E flight yaks and it mm -hmm. does, I mean like with that one, it just seems like as soon as you stop giving it input on the aileron, it's just locked. Yes. yes. And that yeah. it's, it's very, I mean, it, it's, it's kind of reassuring, neat, but yeah, it, yeah, it does. It's, it does a good job on that. So, yeah, it's there, but you're right. It's it's background stuff that just works good. Now, I I, I noticed one thing on your list that you don't have any UMX uh, type airplanes listed. Have you ever flown any of the UMX stuff with AS3X on it? Uh, yeah, very many many years ago, but that was an indoor. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I think it was the second flight. You know when um, Horizon had the, um, I think they have the Sukhoi now. Or it's either Sukhoi or Yak, um, but they used to have a green extra, green and white. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that uh, one. I think I know what you're talking I have the old Sukhoi that doesn't have AS3X built into it, the UMX version. Okay. Well, the one that I had, it was, it was, it looked like it's a profile, but it was a, the oh, green and white yeah. um, extra 300. About. Yeah. And yeah. I, I know the, the, yeah, I got you now. Yeah. Sorry. It, it flew great until. Um, again, we were having an indoor, way too many people flying, but we had a midair. And uh -huh. that pretty much retired that particular airframe. And I, I loved the way it was, you know, I was getting it um, trimmed and exactly flying the way I liked it. And then we had a midair and that ended that. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've got a couple of the, the UMX uh, Yak, the profile ones. Orange one, yeah. The orange, orange. White or red. It's a red and white, yeah. yeah that's it. And mm -hmm. when I, I saw another one up at the hobby shop a couple months ago or whatever, and Tommy made fun of me so much for <laughs> buying a spare to it, but they fly so great and you can't get parts for them yeah. anymore that... And they are really, really flimsy. Like they're I know. Very yeah. delicate. And that's how they're supposed to be though, but you can crash them and they don't break. Yeah, I can tell by the tone of your voice that the hobby shop owner was definitely twisting your arm to get that one. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, I'll be honest. I think that was priced a little higher than I, I should have paid for it, but especially because mm -hmm. the other one I bought was at a, at a, a swap meet, swap, but yeah. I knew that those are the only two I've ever actually seen, so it was worth it to me. All right. So, so they're, they're joining the family of unobtainium. Yes, exactly. <laughs> it's getting yeah, there, unfortunately. Sorry. So Ron yeah. really wants to hear you talk about the boomerang. Yes. Yeah, so now let's move on to that. So well, I I I won't. I'll provide as much information as I can, but full disclosure, it has not flown yet. Well, it says, I can talk, it says we can talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I yeah. I understand yeah. that. Okay. So what made you decide to go with that airplane? Um, because there, there, I mean, there are so many different turbine kind of trainer things. Mm -hmm. I, what What made you go with that one? Well. Ultimately, the, just the research that I did, um, and I'll, I'll play it up as much as I can until I tell you the truth, but um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, ultimately it's the research of that particular airframe and its many iterations and manufacturers that have made that design. But, you know, for me, kind of dipping my toes on the, uh, in, the, in the pool of, of the turbine world 
it, um, you know, it, it'll do everything that I want it to do. Aerobatics, you know, slow speed characteristics that I mentioned, slow speed characteristics. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yes. With, um, you know, just, I wanted something very predictable. I wanted something that was stable. I wanted something that I can actually enjoy. And I also, you know, and here's the truth. I also wanted something where the dollar signs wouldn't obstruct my enjoyment of that particular airframe. Yeah. Yeah. I you know, totally I, get that. Yeah. So, you know, I, I heard you guys talk about it uh, on your past podcast, but you, you can, if you look and you look often enough, you can definitely find a, a good enough deal because um, this particular airframe, it came up and I, I saw it, I think the third or fourth time that I saw it, um, I think I'd made the decision, but um, it was, it was in out of Waco, Texas. And a friend of mine, James, he, he um, it's all practically local to him. So I sent him a text message and he went and got it for me. So Nice. You know, and he's he, that's more central Texas and I'm in in West Texas. So, you know, James, he travels back and forth for work. So it, it was a easy enough um, arrangement to be made. So did you did you have to do any assembly or anything like that? Or was it ready to go when you got it? Ready to go. The okay. only thing I, I'm, I have to do is put my um, my own. It'll have a jetty receiver um, or a, a receiver because it's it's set up on on spectrum now, but it, okay. it'll fly on on jetty. OK. Yeah, that's that's interesting. So then you got it all ready to go. You did, I mean, motor was installed and everything in it for you. Yeah, I think it's flown okay. maybe once or twice. It it hasn't seen much airtime at all. And just you know, looking at the overall condition of the airframe, uh, yeah, it's probably been more of a static model than anything. Yeah. Well, that's cool. I I can't wait to hear yeah. that or how that flies because yeah, yeah. Um, I saw one of these fly over in Monticello, and yeah, you're not you're not wrong about how well it slows down. Yeah. One of those. Mm-hmm. I mean, like he was making some really slow low passes, and yeah. it was a very nice looking airplane. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll tell you one thing. When when um, so James, my friend who picked it up for me, he he chatted with the owner of the, of this of that um, airframe, and he said, you know, on on landing, so your approach flaps definitely want to go with the book the rec- what the book recommends. And I when James told me they're practically ninety degrees. Um, so they are definitely you would consider them barn doors mm-hmm. um, into the uh, incoming airstream, but uh, so they're creating I, more drag than it, lift. Oh, oh yeah, my almost, goodness, yeah. it's it's practically a barn door, you know, and and they are definitely ninety degrees, and you wouldn't think that you know for an airframe like that it would it would be necessary, but uh, <laughs> apparently it is, and I'll yeah. let you guys know how how it goes on on the yeah. maiden. Well, that's interesting. Like that. It's interesting that you say that because um, I have one of those Taft Hobby uh, 90 millimeter Vipers. It seems like everybody does a Viper. Mm-hmm. Um, but the same thing, when, when I got it all set up and I, I cycled the flaps, you know, like what I would call approach flaps was, you know, 15 degrees or so. And then right. I clicked the third position and they went almost 90 degrees. I'm like, wow, I can't believe that's mm-hmm. accurate. But it sounds like that's uh, that's a thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, depending on the yeah. airframe. Yeah, I have not flown it with them deployed that far yet because we have a nice long field and I got plenty of. Well, but still, space, go but up high yeah, and see I'm how low. Or how I'm going to try it now because yeah. uh, now yeah. that uh, you've sort of confirmed that that's actually a thing. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. <laughs> I am by by no means an expert. I am an advanced beginner, sir. <laughs> <laughs> not but, even you, know, in, it, you won't even give yourself intermediate. Come on. Oh, no, I'm an advanced beginner. I've said that for many, many, many years. Fair enough. 
<laughs> but, right. uh, you know, some more details on this particular, on the boomerang. Um, it's the Elon version. It, it's designed for an 85, typically what would you would find is an 85 size turbine. Uh, this one has 140. So I am continuing the theme of overpowering. <laughs> overpowering. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So. Well, with the bigger. Um, and with- again. With the bigger motor, will you, will you, I mean, obviously the fuel consumption will be more. So Mm -hmm. have you also increased the tank size or can you? The thing that, now granted it's, it's, it's ready to fly. So the fuel tank and, you know, I think it's standard with, with turbines, but the fuel tank on this thing, I've never seen such a big fuel tank (laughs) on anything that I've flown. And that includes my 170 CC, um, uh, piston engine airplanes Mm -hmm. and i thought you know 50 ounce 64 (laughs) ounce tanks are big no this this is um yeah this is going to be concerning for my fuel budget (laughs) we'll just say that yeah but it's cheaper than you know it's cheaper than glow fuel yeah it's kerosene though right so that shouldn't be too bad yeah Mm -hmm. although i don't know kerosene is that too (laughs) yeah i'm telling myself that that, (laughs) trying to convince myself that as well but sure you know i think overall it's one of those considerations when you do make the step into, um, like, like I said, you dip your toes in, into the deep end and you start to, you know, get into turbines. Um, it's, it's, it's just one of those things. Fuel, co- fuel cost is, is minimal compared to the, the grand scheme of, yeah. of everything else. Yeah. So. Yep. Cool. But do that, you, do you want to and, ask him? Any, and like, okay, I was going to say like with a bigger engine too, you're not going to be running full throttle all the time. So it's not well, going to be true. sucking fuel as fast as. That's, right. So, as so I have, I don't have my, I don't have my turbine waiver yet, but I have several guys local to me that, um, that fly turbines, which for those listening and are wanting to dip their toes into the turbine world, if you do have a local, um, group or individual that flies turbines, that makes it, I mean, by, by, many many um uh what's the word i'm looking for orders of magnitude <laughs> orders of magnitude it makes it so much easier because yeah. they're you know it's it's a it's a different animal there are different setups and and what you would or what a turbine person would consider the norm when you come over from the glow or gas or electric world you would have no idea that that's the way something would be set up yeah you know or what a, what a norm would be so you know I know if, if Steve is listening, he's our he's our local. Um, he's, I, I would consider him the turbine guru, but uh, I've probably asked him the same question probably 30, 40 different ways, you know, <laughs> just so that I could understand and make sure I had a full appreciation for, you know, the, just not only just the questions and just my natural curiosity, but uh, you know, just to get a good understanding before I made that leap. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm I'm kind of the same way. Like I know I'm not to the point of doing a turbine yet, so I'm not even looking because mm-hmm. I don't want to get in trouble and find one I really really like, and then yeah, you know, because that, like I said, that is still like a year and a half, two year goal kind of thing. So as soon as we get closer, I'm going to reach out to you know. It, it seems like all the guys over in Monticello at Eli Field all have like multiples. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. they they will be a great source of information to have somebody local enough to where we can go talk to them. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I will definitely be waiting until I'm closer to yeah. that time. Well, you might you might even strike it strike lucky and um, maybe one of those folks have either a uh, a boomerang or an airplane like that, yeah. and yeah. they might even be able to buddy box you and you know oh. so you can dip your toes in and you know have that safety except ron doesn't like flying other people's airplanes well if it's on a buddy box that's different because <laughs> yeah, they're, they're in control you'll make an exception for that 
Mm-hmm. Well, I don't. Yeah, like I, mean, I said, it's, I don't. It's it's really gonna it's really gonna open your eyes. You know, I mean, if someone's genuinely, you know, and and you're genuine about you know being inquisitive and you know, I would really like to fly one before I make that financial decision. You know, I'm sure you can probably find someone that's willing to set up um, an airplane for you to fly and you know keep it you know four mistakes high and you know just so you can get enough of the experience and exposure to make it a yay or nay decision because you never know if it's something that if it's a type of airframe and you happen to you know the moon and the stars and all everything lines up for you to um to be able to set up a buddy box situation and you actually fly it and to your surprise you may not like it that's the that's better that's a better way to actually i guess find out rather than after a financial commitment yeah, I never even thought of that. That's yeah. great advice. That's a good, mm-hmm. a very good point. Yeah. And, you know. Although I can't imagine I wouldn't like it. <laughs> there's so many guys there that have them. I wouldn't be surprised if one of them was like, well, well, hey, here you go. Yeah. You know, I'll yeah. set up a date yeah. or something. Yeah, yeah. I'll definitely have right. to reach right. out, like I said. So Yeah. Awesome. All good. right. So I'm going to, because I'm a completionist, I'm going to quickly finish your list. Um, <laughs> so after the boomerang, we had the, uh, yeah, the two drones. I'm just going to skim over those real quick. Uh, <laughs> you can at least we, read what they are. Okay. He's got a DJI FPV uh, and then a DJI Mavic, Mavic Pro? Mavic Pro. Mavic yep. Pro. Okay. There. You happy? Next, we have the <laughs> Twisted Hobbies Crack Yak, which I assume is a profile. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a foam, foamy okay. profile. Okay. And then a couple of JTAs, an extra and a yak. What's a JTA? Um, Do you know? Jace. Jace Ducia, it's oh, okay. his uh, company. Yeah, oh, okay. he's got his own mm-hmm. sweet, excellent flyer, yeah. by the way. We saw him like yes. when he was not to go off the rails here, but many, many years ago, the, the club. 2013. Oh, so you do remember, yeah. So, oh, yeah, that was, was, so that was my first experience, believe it or not, with RC airplanes. Like the week before um, is when I went to the hobby shop to buy my first airplane. And then that's when they told me that they were having a fly in the next weekend at the local club. Yeah. That's when I went. And Jace was the first person I saw fly. Yeah. And I was like, oh, so this is what it is? Yeah. No, it's not what it is, by the way. That is that is yeah. not normal. But like how old would, was he? Eight, nine then? I have no idea. I mean, he was just how old, a, However old he was in how, 2013. Yeah, he was just how a little guy. I don't know. Yeah, he's young. He's still pretty young. Yeah. 20? Maybe. Yeah, 20, well, he just 20. had a birthday. I want to say maybe 20 or 21. He yeah. just had his birthday. Well, then there but, you go. Uh, yeah, we saw him, yeah. Yeah. yeah, we saw him two years ago at Ice House. That was probably one of the biggest events that we'd been to. But uh, he was there. And talk about recalibrating your perspective on <laughs> what this hobby or what, you know, what people are capable of. Of what's I, I capable, yeah. Oh, man. He, I, he did maneuvers that I thought the fuselage should have kept going one way and the wings the other yeah. way. You know, yeah. it's just, it was, it was absolutely amazing. Yeah. And, you know, my wife and uh, we, we all were, we were, we were all there and um, everybody was just in awe, whether you were in the hobby or not. It was just amazing. It was just an amazing experience just watching him fly. Yeah. He's a very good pilot. Yeah. Even at, yeah. back then at 10 years old. Um, yeah. I was blown away with what oh, he could make an airplane do. Still, I'm absolutely a, yeah. a so, quarter of what he can do yeah. at my stage right now. So, yeah. <laughs> if right. that much, to be honest. And then very uh, talented, very yes. talented. Oh, for sure. Uh last on the list is a multiplex funny cub. I'm not sure I know what that is. I mean, I know what a cub is, but what's a funny cub? It, it's also one of those flat foamy um profiles, oh, but okay. it's mostly for indoor. You yeah. can fly it outdoors, you know, but oh, it's okay. You've got a lot of tools, if you know what I mean. Tools is in the profile foamies. Oh, yeah. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. <laughs> right. 
And, you know, for, for me, just when we, we, so we have two, uh, I wish we had more, but we had, we only have two major um, indoor events. We have one coming up, which is um, at the CAF or the commemorative air force here at the uh, local airport. They pull out, it's, it's probably one of the most awesome flying environment or backgrounds that you can have. I mean, you have warbirds just in the background and we have our little, you know, hundred dollar foamies or whatever the case may be, you know, just flying in, you know, in, in the open area, open space. It's just, it's just one of those things where you kind of have to, you know, just take a pause and just really appreciate what, you know, what, what we're actually doing. You have full scale, any, quite a few different era warbirds um, just in the background. And then we're just flying our foamies in that, in, the, in that hangar. That's awesome. Um, yeah. Yeah. And then they have, uh, they we have, have quite a collection one. of airplanes, actually. Uh, yes. The yes, they do. Yeah. They, uh, they get them out, you know, periodically. And I think they fly some of them up to, up to Reno, you know, when the, when the races are going on and yeah, yeah I love, I love everything they do. It's awesome. And their collection yeah. is amazing. <laughs> oh, it's, it's wonderful. And then <laughs> the other one is in San Angelo and that's, that's a big arena. Um, just a big, big, big area. So, and it's, it's just awesome. Just flying indoors. And we have some, probably some of the most creative people that I've ever met, you know, and I've seen some large, ridiculously lightweight, you know, just somebody thought of a, uh, something to make mm-hmm. and, uh, they made it and made it fly, made it fly well. So it's just, it's just, it's just one of those things where yeah, I guess, you know, the nostalgia just kind of gets to me and I just kind of have to take a minute and just kind of take it all in and really appreciate that. This is one, it's just a hobby air quotes. It's just a hobby. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it's just so many different aspects of it. You know, really, I mean, yeah, it's a hobby, but it, to, to me, it feels like more of a community, especially now with social media and being able to connect so easily. Yeah. It's, to, it's a community to me more than a hobby. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah. And like, it, you know, like I mentioned, you know, when we bought that trainer, you know, at, I didn't put two and two together until the, the, the guy who I bought the airplane from said, oh, yeah, you know, I put your ring in this engine. And I remember the story because it was a similar situation as you, Tom, where he ordered the wrong ring. You know, and, <laughs> Thanks for bringing but, that you know, up again. <laughs> but we had a, you know, we made a connection. You know, that that's that's ultimately what I'm getting at. You know, yeah. we made a connection and, you know, and, and we're just talking. And then from that led to, you know, he had a really nice Mustang in his garage. And my wife is like, um, we're not, I know we're not going to leave and you're not going to talk about the Mustang. So we stayed and talked about the Mustang. Okay. And now, that, that's, now, sorry, since you brought that back up, what year was it? It was a 94. Oh, cool. Yeah, and I had a uh, a ninety three, so I had a, a so fox you had a body. Fox, yeah, the last, had yeah, I had a last of the fox body. Yeah. yeah. Well, I've got a and ninety fox body convertible. So yeah, nice. And no one. Yeah. Convertible. Yeah, Dave's got no one convertible. Oh yeah, so. very nice. Awesome. Yeah, the uh, has the, <laughs> the ninety three I had, I found in a junkyard, and it was a four cylinder. And I wanted the the notch back. I want. I love that body style. Yeah. Um, the um, sleepers. The, the LX. Yes. Right. And the owner, he said, well, the lady that dropped this car off, she gave us the title because she couldn't afford the bill for the head gasket. It was like I said, it was a four cylinder automatic and I bought it. I practically stole it, yeah. but bought it, drug it home and uh, converted, uh, gotten, converted it over to a five speed. So it ended up having a 331 stroker with a 70 millimeter turbo oh my. and a, uh, a five speed TKO 500. Nice. Um, just to handle the uh, the torque, yeah. But you know, again, just kind of continuing on with my tradition of ridiculously overpowered. <laughs> yeah. Well, my so <laughs> my my first Mustang, I ended up it was a V8 to begin with, with an automatic transmission. Mm-hmm. I tore that out and put a 
uh, five speed in, and then I put a 347 stroker kit in it. So nice. the rear main seal was going out. So that's when you have to pull a motor to change it anyway. So it was like, yeah, why not? So, yeah, yeah, I wanted the uh, I wanted to take advantage of the uh, rod stroke ratio of the 331 and a force induction application. So that that's why and I it was a toss up between a 347 or a 331, but longevity wise, the 331 was going to give me more of what I wanted. Yeah, I, ironically <laughs> enough, I never drove that car when I finished it because uh, I never finished it. I just got rid of it and then bought another one that was bone stock, and as ah, it sits, okay. it's still bone stock. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> if I ever if I ever did it again. I would probably end up with the ninety-one or ninety-three notchback LX again, probably a four-cylinder that that hadn't been beat up, yeah. but more likely probably a a four twenty-seven, all naturally aspirated, high RPM. Yes. Nice. Just, yeah, yeah, yeah. My first car was an eighty-eight LX hatchback, four-cylinder nice. manual transmission. So. Yeah, Ooh, going oh. nowhere fast. <laughs> no, it <laughs> it sounded loud, but it uh, yeah. it couldn't get out of its own way. It was pretty bad. Yeah. I think it was 90 <laughs> horsepower. Yeah, I think when the last dyno numbers I remember on mine was over 700 foot-pounds of oh torque. Oh, my gosh. And close enough to, close with the horsepower as well. And this was on low boost, um, on a street tune. So, Man. yeah. Very fun nice. Fun times. But then my, my daughter came along, and I needed to keep my job and my driver's <laughs> license, so I had to get, yeah. get rid of it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Those are, those are fun cars, so. Well, they're the kind of car that you cannot – keep your foot out of it because it's it's just so ridiculous the, such a light airplane and it's the sound um, yeah the sound and everything just yes but for yeah. us up here it's not a winter car like no that no. that, that oh, no. killed me so much like you cannot drive it at all in snow so mine yeah. has never seen the snow yeah well it can't i mean it will not wet, go anywhere <laughs> wet pavement is hard enough to drive yeah 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 but, well, that got us way off topic. I'm sorry. I didn't mean <laughs> that's to. Okay. But when you say Mustang, that's what, what gets me. But I, I didn't mean to cut you off. You were still talking about your uh, when you met with that other guy with your uh, yeah. So now it was it was just one of those you know connections you know in the hobby that if, if you really think about it, other than you know one, I'm a vendor in the hobby, but had had any all the other circumstances been different, one, I you know we would have never met. You know, right. let alone him and invite mm-hmm. us over to, you know, just to, we, we met his, 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 him and his wife. And it's a very nice, you know, it's just one of those things, the connections that you would otherwise with circumstances being different, you probably never make those connections, yeah. let alone just, you know, just because of our hobby, you know, and you make, make those connections. I mean, this is a primary example of, you know, you guys have been doing a fantastic job with your podcast oh, and you're, you. you're meeting all different kinds of people and, you know, and vendors and different aspects of yeah. the hobby and we're just striking up a conversation because we have that one common thread is our hobby. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I could not have said that better myself. Yeah. Yep. Well, I tell you what, uh, Bjorn, this is, has been a blast. I mean, and I could, I could go, I could go on for hours, but unfortunately <laughs> I'm an old guy and I've been sitting a long time. So I think this would be a good, uh, good place to, to wrap it up. I think I know what that awesome. means. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad you, uh, you agreed to do this, Bjorn. Um, thanks for the, for the, um, the insight into what it takes to, to run. Absolutely. Uh, a, I mean, let's be honest, a niche business and to do it successfully and, and to the appreciation of people like me, um, uh, I'm so glad you you picked up the reins and uh, continued on. Mm-hmm. Well, I would like to take the opportunity to not only thank you guys for for reaching out, so we could sit down and and do this and t- or take the time to do this. But I, you know, for everybody listening and for, uh, you know, whenever it's published, I'll I'll share it on our on our website and our 
and my wife would probably do it, but on our Instagram <laughs> and Facebook page. Right. Thank you. Like I said, I've got an, I got so much stuff going on. Um, so we'll share it with our, you know, with our customer base. And, uh, you know, for those that are listening, um, whether you're seasoned veterans to the podcast or you're going to be, you know, newly uh, christened to this, 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 this podcast or this episode, I just wanted to take a moment and say thank you. Um, we, 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 we started this endeavor just to, primarily to continue on with the, the legacy and, and, the, and continue on with the reputation and everything that Frank had done. And, you know, I do get, I do get feedback from Frank, you know, from, from old customers that he's had over the years, you know, just to kind of reiterate and for him that he's made the right decision in picking us to continue on with his legacy, but also, you know, for our current customers, our existing customers, our repeat customers, um, we, and future customers, again, see, my, my wife is keeping me on track. (laughs) Um, but just, you know, we, we just want to say thank you. Um, it's been, it's been definitely been a wild ride. Um, as, as time finances and technology keeps getting better and better, you know, our processes are getting better, our efficiencies are getting better. And, you know, just, one, our communication and, and availability to our customers is also getting better. So if you if you aren't a customer of ours, we, we invite you to try try our product. If you have some more specific questions that I may not have covered, please, by, by all means, reach out. Um, we can be reached via our, our website. We have a question um, um, uh, correspondence there on the website. We can be reached through our Facebook page, through Messenger. We can be reached through Instagram. Um, our my phone number is on our website, so it's we have multiple ways of communicating. Um, so if you have again, if you have any questions, um, you have any um, maybe one off, or if you're in the middle of a restoration, which you where you can't get any any uh, piston rings. Just give us give us a call and we can we can talk and we can more likely provide a solution for you. That's awesome. I just wanted to say I just wanted to say you know, in not so many words, you know, thank you. (laughs) No, you've done a fine job. Um, I think uh, I think on behalf of you know probably the tens of listeners that still listen to our podcast, um, there's a large percentage of us that are thankful that you guys do that. So, um, like I said, um, I'm I appreciate it and look forward to buying more stuff in the future. Awesome. Awesome. And I guess it, it may, for, for those that don't know, um, or don't, you know, cause everybody, we're, you know, we're so uh, suspicious of things or <laughs> I guess if you want to hear it from the horse's mouth, we do have one, um, designated U S distributor and that's, that's Valley view RC. Oh, okay. now they've, you know, they've, they've, um, really worked, uh, um, earned their reputation in the hobby, you know, just for honesty and, and, and just everything that they do in their hobby. So they're, they are one distributor in the U S um, DLE Australia. Um, they are now under, um, AR radio or Boomer RC, excuse me. That's Boomer RC. So they say the same company. B O O M E R. No, no. B O O M A. Okay. Yeah, Boom RC. So for for the for the okay, if you're going to get into jets, you may hear about the AR radio or Smooth Flight. Those components, um, the, the, they're the manufacturers of it, but they took over for um, the the folks that were running DLE Australia. So they are Australian distributors for DLE rings. Um, so we're. We're kind of off and on working on um, potential distributorships throughout the world. Um, 
we potentially may have something working in Europe, but with the situation in Europe that, you know, I think everybody's aware. Um, so that's, that's been on hold, but, yeah. um, you know, one, once the cloud or the dust settles, we'll definitely, you know, carry on with that. But I just wanted everybody to, you know, to know exactly who, who we, you know, we associate with on a distributor basis. Okay. And, um, but yeah, that's, that's all. Right on. Ron, do you got anything else? I think I am good. This has been fun. Dave? I'm perfectly fine. All right. Well, Bjorn, thank you again. Uh, it's been it's been a blast, and I would love to continue. But like I said, uh, I'm going <laughs> to have to get up and move these old legs. So uh, on behalf of uh, the crew, thanks again. And uh, unless you have anything else to say, I think we'll wrap it up. I think we're good. I think I've said enough today. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks for listening. Again, thanks, guys. All right. And uh, thanks for listening. And I'm Tom. I'm Ron. I'm Dave. And this is Bjorn with RMJ Machine Works. I just wanted to say thank you and good night, everybody. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the RC Plane Lab podcast. For topic suggestions, to ask questions, or to give any feedback, connect with us at rcplanelab.com or email us direct at either ron at rcplanelab.com or tom at rcplanelab.com. You can also text us or leave us a voicemail at 818-351-9846. Please subscribe, rate, and review us on your favorite podcast app. Until next time, may your landings be gentle.